grave danger. Is there another kind? You see, the useful idiots that the Soviet Union, that Lenin put into America, are now the useful idiots from the Chinese. U.S. President Joe Biden, who has had another week of gaffes, confused moments. Uh, uh, They're coming down on America like Pac-Man, eating us up alive. They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed. You know the Pac-Man game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that... Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal. The goal. The goal. And as we've said all along... Confusion can actually be the goal. Well, we've got a good hour for you. We'll try to deconfuse you. This is Speaking Out America. I am JR, your host. We are here Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. on CRNTalk.com. Also through the podcast, which is available on a podcast platform near you. And if you can hear a little sternness in my voice, usually I'm pretty happy-go-lucky guy. But I ran across a story this morning. Everybody obviously is devastated because of the Horrific experience of the Titanic or the Titan submarine that fell into the depths, the deep depths of the Atlantic Ocean, not far from the very spot. The the Titanic has her final rest. And for five days, we all hoped and prayed. I know I did. I mean, the thought of five people in a very small fuselage somewhere in the depths of the Atlantic Ocean. And, and they all had good backstories. They, they all had productive lives. They all had rich experiences. Uh, they seem like good people. Good people. I know a lot of people are really upset with the guy who orchestrated all of it. But uh, according to many who spoke of him, they spoke highly. But that's beside the point. What, what we're hearing now is that on Sunday, it is likely that is when the implosion of the submarine took place there was apparently a potential crack along the seal which builds up over time because of the intense pressure all that pressure this thing has been doing this for a while i think the 12 trips anyway so two irs whistleblowers prepared to go public with damning information implicating further the biden administration in a scheme to bury evidence of hunter biden's tax crimes as well as the revelation that Joe Biden was, quote, in the room when Hunter shot a threatening message to a Chinese business associate demanding payment. Now, what does that have to do with this titan that went down into the seas? Well, apparently, Wall Street Journal reported a top-secret military acoustic detection system designed to spot enemy submarines first heard what the U.S. Navy suspected was the titan submersible implosion hours after the submersible began to voyage, and that, quote, the U.S. system detected what it suspected was the sound of an implosion near the debris field that was discovered on Thursday. Again, they heard this on Sunday. What's more, it's not like the military took days to try to figure out what the sound could be. While not definitive, this information was immediately shared with the incident commander to assist with the ongoing search and rescue mission. So if the White House knew about this on Sunday, why did they allow people to think that the sub-passengers were still alive? Despite information, 
and a very strongly held belief that the sub had likely imploded early into the voyage, a story arc that would have fizzled out much sooner and turned the public's attention to the far greater bombshell of a story surrounding the latest alleged crimes by the Bidens. So what should have broke on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday slowly emerged on Thursday afternoon that IRS whistleblowers had come forth saying that there's more to the story that the Department of Justice and the investigative arm of the IRS basically dragged their heels on exposing the the more serious crimes that Hunter Biden was engaged in. And they also failed to mention, by the way, in that misdemeanor charge that they slapped for tax evasion, that one of the income sources he didn't report was, in fact, Burisma. That never made the headlines. So you have to wonder to what depths, no pun intended, the Biden administration is willing to go to protect Joe Biden. The media was lockstep, fanning out hope, holding out hope, saying, oh, it's 72 hours, they've got enough air, search is on. It was almost like a movie. And boy, imagine what the ratings would be, right? When that's your headline story, even Inside Edition was in on it. And everybody was basically saying the same thing. They could still be alive three days, got enough oxygen, Thursday, 6 a.m. We all watched it. We all held our breath. We all hoped for the best. Meanwhile, there's a whole group of people in the deep state were pretty much convinced that that thing imploded on Sunday. But let's hold off on that. Let's keep this story going a little longer. You know, if they're dead, they're dead. Nothing we could do about it now, but maybe we can turn this tragedy into something good and cover up the fact that my son was up to no good. Of course, the truth did finally get out, but now the uh, the left media, the mainstream media, really, has adopted that this is nothing more than a Republican witch hunt. You know, two tiers of justice for the Biden administration. It's, it's actually quite pathetic. And the story continues. No one can prove, perhaps, that the Bidens withheld this for the specific purpose of covering up the headlines, creating a distraction piece. I mean, they could find a million and one things to do that. All they have to do is talk about something Trump did today. But I uh, was listening to DeSantis this morning, earlier today at the Faith and Freedom Conference. By the way, you know why that faith and freedom are intertwined? Because in order to have freedom, which is the belief that you are endowed by a something bigger than the government that gives you the privilege of being free, having free will, is because you have faith in a creator who would bestow such a privilege. That's why faith and freedom are locked together. Without one, you don't have the other. If you don't have faith in a creator, then where does your free will come from? And who do you serve and who do you work for? Well, the government, because they would be the most powerful element between deity and man. They would be the intermediary. So who do you want to follow? Who do you want to serve? And that's why I like Faith and in, in, in Freedom Conferences. They bring out the best in people. A lot of good people up there, including DeSantis. Here's a little bit of his speech. We need to get busy with this in Washington, D.C. Uh, as president, we will reverse Biden's disastrous economic policies. We're going to stop spending this country into oblivion. The state of Florida 
Our, we have millions of more people than New York State does now, and our budget is half the size of New York State. When there's excessive spending, I veto it. Our debt is the second lowest per capita in the country. Don't tell me it can't be done. We're not destined to plunge this country uh, into debt-ridden destitution, and so we need a new way of thinking. We also need to unleash all of our domestic energy here in this country. We have resources. Don't force people into electric cars. Don't force them to use windmills. Let's use what we have. It's better for your pocketbook, but it's also better for our national security. And I will finally be the president to bring the issue of our open southern border to a conclusion. I've heard about this since I've been an adult. For decades, we've complained about the open border. We've complained about everything that's happening. Now is the time to act. On day one, we declare a national emergency. We mobilize all assets, including the military. Yes, we build a border wall, but we stop the invasion and we hold the drug cartels accountable for the carnage that they are causing in this country. Pretty good. He's got a, a good thing going now. He's got a rhythm now. Uh, he, sometimes DeSantis can be a little stiff, and he doesn't know how to build that story arc and build that crescendo up and play with it. Obama was really good at that. Obama would listen to the audience as he was speaking, and the moment that he would, would, would start to sense that they were feeling the energy and they were being lifted up by his words, he would carry it like a violinist. And he would bring that to a crescendo, and then he'd find the right kind of words to, you know, drop the hammer. And the crowd would go wild. And I think, uh, you know, you don't think about it much, but how you speak uh, is, is how people interpret you. And there's nothing wrong, and not one of us can be better at speaking. And uh, speaking of speaking, we're going to have a man coming in a little bit. We've not had Michael Lee Mason on the show. He uh, is going to talk about something that is going on right now in our culture war having to do with the most hated man in America. Who is the most hated man in America? He's going to be stopping by just a little bit here on Speaking Out America. His, his backstory is pretty interesting. Um, he served two major tours of duty as a vet, Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom. And he, uh, he, he played for a country band for the United States Air Force. And they would travel around and go to all the bases and they would play before the presidents and Supreme Court justices and military brass. So he was part of the entertainment aspect. So he would go over and make the, the, the troops feel good. But while he was away uh, and he comes back home stateside and he starts to realize that his kids are being exposed to all this porn and everything else on the internet. So he went and developed software that could filter out those things. And he came up with something called freefiltering.org. So we'll get into a little bit about that. But he has some opinion on what's going on with the LGBTQ culture war and who the victim really is. We'll talk to Michael Lee Mason on Speaking Out America as we continue. I'm JR.
And I'm very honored to have on Speaking Out America right now, Michael Lee Mason, creator of freefiltering.org, which is a service that provides filtering for young people uh, to keep your kids away from, well, you know what's out there. You see it all the time. Michael, that's an interesting story. And I understand that, and by the way, thank you for service to our country. Not only did you serve during Operation Enduring Freedom, but also uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. And you uh, provided a great service to our troops, keeping their spirits high when they need it most. What was that experience like for you as an entertainer going overseas in danger war zones and, 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 and performing live before the troops? Tell me about that experience. Well, I was honored uh, to serve as the lead singer in the Air Force's premier country band uh, in Washington, D.C. for four years. We did deploy uh, to North Africa, the Middle East, Southwest Asia. So it was an experience of, an, of a lifetime. I probably visited a dozen countries, including Iraq and Afghanistan, but a lot of countries I had never even heard of. And it was it was really something, you know, to be flying on a, uh, a helicopter with a machine gun pointing out the back and, and looking down and seeing Bedouin shepherds tending their flocks in the field. We would fly into what they called forward operating bases, uh, you know, away from the big cities like Baghdad where the troops were experiencing a lot of combat. And we would go into like a mess hall or a dining facility where they were having dinner and, and play music for them. Sometimes told, hey, we're, we're canceling the show because we lost a bunch of guys yesterday and, you know, nobody really wants to hear music right now. Or, you know, hey, can you, you guys not sing those songs about, you know, the family back home? I'm going to be too depressing right now for us because of what we just went through. Um, but it was a, a very unique experience. I got to see parts of the world I didn't even know existed. I also uh, was honored to perform at the White House a couple times. In fact, I, I think I was kind of a, you know, a little bit of a part of making some history. I actually sang uh, at the retirement party for uh, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor at the White House when she retired from the Supreme Court. And at the time, I didn't even realize that uh, she was the first woman who had ever served on the Supreme Court. I didn't learn, learn that until many years later. Now that I know her politics and some <laughs> of the things she stood for, I'm not so sure I'm uh, proud of that part of history that I played. Um, but uh, it was certainly a unique experience. Got to record some uh, music uh, on the taxpayer dollar. So thanks for paying your taxes. Mm -hmm. um, but it, yeah. it, was, it was fun. Well, so one of the things you came back and you discovered and I imagine you have kids, right? So your kids were getting, yeah. while you were away fighting for your country and helping support uh, the cause uh, and uh, and going after the terrorists and all these things, here you come back and you find out that there's a different battle going on in your own country, a culture war. So how did yeah. you get around? What was it? Uh, what did you start to see that made you decide to do something about it? Well, you know, the Air Force that I entered back in 2005 is a lot different than the Air Force of today. Uh, I'm sad to say, even in 2005, it had shifted dramatically over the previous couple decades. But there's been an even larger shift since I got off active duty in 2009 to present day, to the extent that I'm, I'm somewhat cautious about even recommending that my own kids can serving in our nation's military. And, and I think you'll find a lot of veterans. In fact, I'm friends with some veterans who some of them are actually still like serving on reserve duty. And uh, 
they want to get out as quickly as possible, and they're very cautious about even recommending that their kids, their close family members, go into the military today because it's almost become a training ground, just like a lot of our secular universities have become. It's become an indoctrination branch federal government, crazy ideology. So, I, you know, when I deployed, I didn't have any kids. Uh, we had our first kid probably, uh, let's see, about a year after I came back from serving overseas but before I got off active duty. So, you know, I've been at the parenting thing for um, almost 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, as, as you're, you know, when, as a young parent, sometimes you make maybe poor decisions. Uh, you know, one of the things I regret uh, being a young parent was introducing electronic devices to uh, my first child uh, so early. Now, granted, he, he learned a lot because, uh, uh he had a little Apple iPod when he was maybe a year old. And by the time he was two, he could read because he was playing with letter games, you know, and things like that. But um, if I had it to do all over again, and if I would recommend anything to parents who haven't already done so, I'd say hold off on giving your kid any kind of electronic device until maybe a year or two before they're ready to fly the nest and go out on their own. They need to know how to use those things uh, to, to work, to get through college. But uh, if you can do anything to keep them away from social media, away from being addicted to electronic devices, I'd highly advise it um, based on my own experience. But, um, you know, probably about two and a half, three years ago, I knew that we needed to be filtering our home Internet, right? I, I knew that our kids spent a lot of time on the Internet doing their homeschool activities, and I knew we needed to be proactive about putting some protective measures in place. So I did a lot of research on the best way to filter the home internet. And I discovered that the the best way to do it is to make an adjustment to your Wi-Fi router, where you basically trade out the phone book that you use for the internet with a cleaned up version of the internet phone book. So I went out and found uh, a, a DNS provider that stands for domain name server. It's basically an alternate internet phone book. I went out and found a family-friendly DNS provider, and I set it up on our Wi-Fi router so that any device connected to Wi-Fi would be filtered automatically. Mm -hmm. So I thought I was good. You know, I thought I was good, but I had a series of very shocking experiences um, in my personal life where I saw how this really aggressive LGBTQ ideology was targeting young people who I love very dearly. Um to the extent that I said, I got to go home and see if the internet filters I just got done setting up a few months ago, I got to see if these internet filters are blocking this stuff too. Well, I was surprised and disappointed to find that the family-friendly so-called internet filter I had set up was not blocking websites like Planned Parenthood, where you could pull up uh, what they call an expert section. You can add an S to the front of expert to know what they call it, Mm -hmm. but they have a section on the Planned Parenthood website where they basically say, hey, uh, here's a safe way to engage in this immoral, dangerous, risky sexual activity. So I could pull up Planned Parenthood's website and read articles like that, even with my filtered internet. Mm -hmm. I could pull up up some of the top LGBTQ news websites where uh, the the entire page has photos of half-naked men and women. Uh, kissing each other. It's got pictures of drag queens. 
And then it's got ads from companies like Hilton saying, hey, you're welcome here. Like they have targeted ad campaigns targeting this community. But that's not the shocking part. The shocking part is that probably maybe 30 to 50 percent of the ads that you'll see on these LGBTQ news websites are from big pharma companies saying, hey, take our easy little pill, our HIV prep pill, and you keep being you. I actually made the mistake of clicking on one of those ads to, to record a video to show my users the kind of stuff that we block. And uh, lo and behold, later that evening, my uh, eight-year-old got retargeted with an ad for that same HIV prep drug on YouTube. My guest is Michael Lee Mason, founder of freefiltering.org, a service that helps prevent your kids from being exposed to those things in our culture you'd rather not have them be exposed to. We'll continue in just a moment. And we're back with Michael Lee Mason, founder of freefiltering.org. Michael, you were just telling us about how even your own free filters uh, DNS reconfiguration wasn't working. Continue on with that story. What were you telling us about your son well, and what he was being let, exposed to? Let me to? back up. Yeah. Let me back up. You may have misunderstood me. I was using uh, DNS filters from another company. I see. Got it. I dis- hmm. Yeah. So I discovered that the, that the family-friendly filters from this other DNS filtering service were not blocking things like Planned Parenthood and websites devoted to promoting LGBTQ ideology. So it was an alternate provider. So, of course, like any concerned Christian dad, I wanted to go find, well, I got to find a DNS filter um, that will block that stuff. So, of course, I started my Google search, well, just like anybody would do. And I started saying Internet filter, you know, here's the stuff I want to block. I couldn't find a single company in the world that was willing to say, hey, not only do we block pornography online, but we're also going to block this LGBT ideology because God's opinion of it has not changed. Um, There's still something uh, called holiness and righteousness. God's standards haven't changed, even though the culture's changed. Um, So I was was disappointed. I thought, well, Lord, do you want me to build something to, to combat this? Because I know even in my own close uh, relationships with family and friends, I know kids are being targeted by this ideology online at school. And it's really a social contagion, right? Like, yeah. I grew up the son of a Baptist pastor, okay? I didn't even hear some of these words until my own father told me about them, right? Because I was protected from these ideas, right? So you can't really embrace an ideology or an identity that you don't even know exists, right? So that's the first thing. Um, But I couldn't find an internet filtering service that that was willing to say they blocked that stuff. All I really found was lawsuits from the ACLU where over the last two decades, the American Civil Liberty Union, or whatever they're called, yeah, that's right. the ACLU, they've sued school district after school district when they've discovered that the internet filters that that local public school district were using were blocking this LGBT ideology. So um, the federal government, I think in the 90s when the internet was first coming of age, the federal government said, oh, wow, we, if we're going to have access to the Internet in our public schools, we got to protect kids from pornography. So there's a federal law on the books. I believe it's called SIPA with a C, um, which says that 
kids cannot access pornography on on the network at their local public school. However, the ACLU came in just a few years after that law was passed and sued school district after school district to say, hey, it's viewpoint discrimination if you block websites uh, about this uh, LGBT stuff. Um, so every public school in America has been forced to allow uh, their students to access that type of propaganda. And um, because of that, uh, most of the internet filtering services who want that guaranteed paycheck because the government forces these public school districts to pay for that service, most of the providers of internet filters are unwilling to take a stand and, and block that because they don't want to lose their primary customers. Mm -hmm. So I, I couldn't find an alternative in the marketplace. I really didn't want to start it. I don't want to be talking to you today about porn or LGBTQ issues. I don't want to be seen as a homophobe or some kind of backward prude. Uh, I really, I'd rather go hide under a rock than talk to you about this right now. Um, but I couldn't find anybody willing to say up front, we, we block this stuff. We care about kids enough to, to say what's true, even though the culture doesn't agree. Well, I'm right there with you because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that many things that are just about and viewed in the, in the open today were considered pornography or were considered, in, you know, improper for young people. Uh, and it, sure. it all changed right about the time that you had kids. I hate to say this, but it really seemed to really take off once the social media aspect was introduced to the Internet. It seems that advocacy groups, certain kinds of groups, decided that they were going to take their stand and they were going to go full throttle and try to infect people's minds with their own ideology, which is what they're doing. And so now, like yeah. you say, if you are trying to block out porn from your kids, well, who's to decide what's porn and what isn't? You, In your mind, you're thinking anything that promotes the gay lifestyle or a trans lifestyle would be considered improper for your kids. But another person might say, well, you should be canceled because you're a homophobe. It's a terrible right. position to be in, and I don't blame you. Well, but it yeah, looks like I, you I at least tried to find a solution. Yeah. So I was just in New York City a couple of days ago doing an interview with Newsmax, and uh, the host introduced me, I think, as America's most famous homophobe or something. I don't know how he said it. Sitting across the table from an open homosexual. So I had to explain to these folks, hey, guys, I know you're calling me a homophobe just because I believe kids shouldn't be exposed to this ideology, but I'm really not, okay? In fact, the hairdresser and the makeup artist that were there to, to get me ready for this show. The hairdresser was a very openly homosexual man. And I said, look, I'm not a homophobe. I'm taking the hairdresser out to lunch after this. We're going to hang out, right? Um, I said, if I'm a homophobe, I'm also an adultery phobe. I'm a fornication phobe. I'm, I'm a divorce phobe. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of everything that's going to destroy families and, and destroy souls for eternity. It has nothing to do with homosexuality. It has everything to do with the fact that there's been an all-out assault on the American family for at least the last 70 years. I'd argue that it started long before social media. It started, I think, with the repeal of what were known as the Comstock laws, where people like, uh, was it Hugh Hefner, that, you know, they fought in the courts and the courts passed down decisions that said, hey, you can send out your pornography through the mail. That's where it all started, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, I, mm -hmm. I couldn't even get out a news a news release a couple of weeks ago over two of the major newswire services just because in the headline I said, internet startup is seeking parents help 
blocking LGBTQ grooming. All right. So I mm-hmm. used the word LGBTQ grooming or something or pride grooming in the headline. I couldn't even get two of the major newswire services to even put that out. I prepaid $2,000 to one of them to send it out. They wouldn't even send that out because it doesn't comply with their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And yet those same people are the people that want to send sewage over the, uh, over the internet lines, right? They say it's censorship. If you're going to block pornography, I mean, tomorrow our federal government could pass a law to block pornography, you know, websites that are devoted to pornography tomorrow. The federal government could pass that law, but they won't do it because you've got people who say, well, that's a matter of free speech. You know, the real problem is we don't have any common religious culture anymore in America. The word religion uh, comes from the word ligament, what holds things together, right? We have no national religious uh uh, culture anymore. We have nothing in common that holds us all together. We don't have a common set of values or beliefs anymore. The word culture uh, goes back to, I think, a Greek word, cultus. What do we worship? So we have a culture. Every society has a culture. We all worship something. Every culture has to have something that they worship. They have heroes that they hold up. Okay. We have a culture in America, and I would agree we actually do have a state-sponsored religion, even though the Constitution says we're not supposed to have an established religion. We do. We have a state-enforced moral code, and if you don't comply uh, in the next 10 to 20 years, you're going to lose your job. You're going to uh, lose public uh, benefits that other companies or individuals might get. You'll be thrown into prison. I put a nine-minute sermon up the other day from an Orthodox priest where he simply made the statement that Pride Month is demonically inspired, okay? I don't know how I was able to boost that post on Facebook and pay them to to, to push it out. It somehow got past their reviewers. Maybe it was an automated review. Mm -hmm. But I had people calling for this priest to be charged with a hate crime, for his church to lose its tax-exempt status. I had people sending in terribly nasty messages, and that's where we're headed. The average American is asleep at the wheel. They have no idea how close we are to sawing our profits into locking up Christians and losing every single bit of religious liberty that we got. I I, I feel like I see it, and and the average American doesn't. Listen, a lot more of us see it than you realize, and what I'm hearing in your voice, I'm hearing more and more every day. And I I think your fight is just beginning, uh, Michael Lee Mason. I want you, if you're listening to this program, if this is something of concern to you, Go to freefiltering dot or freefiltering dot org. That's freefiltering dot org, and you can find out more about free filtering and what Michael uh, Lee Mason has done to help protect children from those who who would do them harm. Welcome back to the program. I have on the phone with me my esteemed guest, Jan Charles Gray, Harvard Law Attorney, uh, to talk law and other interesting items in the news. Hi, Jan. The cost of freedom is high, but Americans have always paid it. And one path we shall never choose, and that is the path of surrender and destruction. Who said that? John F. Kennedy, Cuban Missile Crisis speech. You've got quite a memory. Yeah, that was November of 1962. What do you think of Robert Kennedy? You think he's got a chance? Um, no, I don't think he has a chance. 
He needs uh, he needs a voice go- coach, that's for sure. It's hard to get over that grading, but you know, you just quoted his uncle, and judging yes, from the reaction from the Democrats against Ro- Robert Kennedy, they hate him with a vitriol I haven't seen since Trump announced he was running in 2016 or 15. So it's, the, something tells me that that's a good thing. If the Democrats hate him, he must be onto something, don't you think? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I might have told you this before, but I wrote a letter to Ted Kennedy when he was you know, ripping the second Bush, a new one, and told him that if uh, his brother John were alive today, he'd be a Republican. Yeah. So that's, that's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> in, one, in one generation, we've changed a, a whole lot. Yeah. What do you think happened? When did this uh, when did this shift towards sort of a Marxist, socialist, communist embrace? What, what what triggered that movement? Well, I don't know. That's a very complex question, and I, I think some of it has to do with the movement from the Greatest Generation, a society that had experienced the Depression and the winning of World War II to a society that Lyndon Johnson began as the great society where nobody has to do anything. You get paid 12 to $15 an hour to do nothing. And you've never experienced hard times and deprivation. So that's a lot to digest. It does seem like today's youth, people that are like under 30, they're spoiled. Everything offends them. Let's talk about law because that's your area of expertise and that's why we have you on. Uh, what do you, you make? What do you make of the IRS stonewalling investigations, obfuscating the truth about Hunter Biden? I mean, it seems like Joe Biden can't get a break. Every day there's a new scandal crawling behind him. What do you think of uh, Hunter Biden and, and this? I mean, because they basically the Justice Department through the election in 2020. It's unbelievable to me, as I was looking at this last night, I did a little research, and to be given two, two misdemeanors uh, with the, the possibility or the ability to have no jail time for not reporting a million and a half dollars in income is pretty unbelievable. And to put it in perspective, um, I did a search of some of the more famous tax cheats that we've had over the years, and one of them was Richard Hatch. Do you remember that name? was in the first episode of Survivor, and he won a million dollars as the prize, and he didn't report that million dollars. So guess what his sentence was? Well, it was 13 years, but he served 51 months. That was for not reporting a million a million dollars. So yeah, maybe that and did not involve foreign agents, <laughs> and didn't involve foreign countries either. How well, the did, other the <laughs> other thing about it that our great mainstream media uh, ha, has done is where is the they don't, for instance, tell you the source of the million and a half that wasn't uh, paid, um, yeah, or, paid, decla- or declared. 
reported. Yeah. And I looked that up, but it was hard to find, but it's, it was the Burisma payments ah. from the, the Ukrainian uh, company. Yeah. That was, wasn't reported. And it's a giant hello, red flag right there, yeah. right? That's well, a huge red flag. Well, they don't want a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe they're going to get one. Maybe they aren't. But the notion here, for instance, that Hunter Biden received this million or three million from the wife of the uh, mayor of Moscow and all these other alleged payments that are now, according to the whistleblowers around the world, 10 million or another five million where is the investigation as to whether or not that income was reported? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think, even though right now we Americans do not believe there are any investigations going on because the president, he doesn't have to say anything, but if you are part of the administrative state and you support the Biden presidency, you're not going to work overtime to make your boss look bad. So he doesn't have to tell these people anything. They get their cues from common sense, which is he's the guy that appointed me to the job. Why am I going to make him look bad? So my question is, do you think there are other people and are they going to be successful in exposing the Bidens for all of the criminality that they appear to have done? Well, Definitely what you say is Biden doesn't have to say anything to anybody. It's clear. Any any person who's ever worked for anybody in a company or in the government understands what you just said. And in a way, it's a very sad element in our society. And again, the notion here that Merritt Garland needs to have a conversation is just as absurd as whether John Mitchell had to have a conversation with Richard Nixon when they were trying to cover up the Watergate. Or Eric Holder, you know, telling on Obama for Fast and Furious. Or maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, So we have a situation now where the sitting president has... Uh, apparently weaponized uh, the Department of Justice. They're trying to take down Trump. Where do you see Trump right now? Uh, Do you think he will be able to get out of this? Or do you think it'll go all the way to full and then he'll get charged with a crime based on your knowledge of the law? Well, it isn't the knowledge of the law. The law has nothing to do with Trump's (laughs) indictments. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Um, well, it's a complicated thing in terms of how Trump is going to get out of this or not. But I've said before, it benefits Trump, these indictments and allegations of wrongdoing, um, until he gets the Republican nomination. And then I think he will have to make some of these motions that we've talked about in previous shows that the statute of limitations is gone in the New York case, or um, there's another uh, critical legal piece in the other indictment or indictments to come. 
We haven't even heard anything about that indictment from Alvin Bragg. That thing sort of just evaporated, didn't it? I, I can't even recall any follow-up to that. Everything now is about uh, the the papers, the documents, and the uh, uh, the Espionage Act and whatever else they could throw at him. Correct? Yes. I mean, it is amazing what the newsrooms crank out as today's news. And they decide the the biggest problem in the country today, I think, is that the mainstream media isn't really giving a fair shake to Donald Trump. And it's very clear to the American people that there's a double standard that echoes through the halls of what you might term justice are. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, now the the latest scandal is that the White House knew that the people that were in that submarine over by the Titanic, they knew on Sunday that that thing imploded, but they kept the hope alive through the media so as to distract from the other shoe dropping a couple of days ago with more whistleblowers coming from the IRS. So isn't that interesting that he would use or they would use, strategically use, uh, the the potential deaths of five people to distract from the headlines. It's absolutely amazing to me. Yes, I you know I thought Susan Rice had left the White House. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake Sullivan, he's on on the way over to Europe to bolster up support for the uh, for World War Three, along with Victoria Newland, my two favorite people in the White House. Well, listen, uh, Jan Charles Gray. It's always uh, it's always good to see you and talk to you and bring your insight in on the program. And I do want to wish you a, a happy Fourth of July because, after all, you'll be right there by the uh, by Mount Rushmore. And I are they going to have fireworks this year? No, is that I mean, still on hold? Jeez, <laughs> there that's goes tourism. <laughs> well, yes, and that's that's very true as to what happened. I was there for Trump's speech at the Fourth of July at Mount Rushmore, and I guess it's two thousand and nineteen or two thousand and twenty. Yeah, um, but mm. it was quite quite something, really. And Christy Nome, as you know, the governor here, because she had done that. Yeah, uh, immediately when. Um, Trump wasn't in office, uh, those fireworks uh, stopped. Is that on her or is it on the Biden administration? Oh, no, the Biden, the Biden administration. Yeah. Obviously. Great place to end it. Thanks, Jan. We'll catch up to you uh, another time. All right. Thanks a bunch. And to you, uh, thanks for stopping by Speaking Out America. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday.